It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 7.07 on a Saturday morning, 50 degrees outside. Good morning, friends. I'm glad you're here. This is the second hour of Lawn and Garden, where we try our best to help you be more successful doing whatever you want to do, or even if you don't want to do something, we'll provide an excuse so that you can tell your spouse why you don't want to do it, and Mr. Reeves said so, and so you can stay inside if you care to. 404-872-0750 is the number on Lawn and Garden. We'll have the weekend prize pack coming up. We've got Twitter questions coming up. If you're on Twitter, you can tweet me a question. Use the hashtag AskWalter. Ashley, why don't we do the Twitter question first, then we'll get to David in just a second. So what's the Twitter question? All right. This one did come in just a week or so ago, but uh, JK wants to know, if I plant a seed from a Honeycrisp apple, might it grow into a productive tree? Mm, yes, it will grow into a productive tree. Will it taste like a Honeycrisp? No. Hmm. So he's got two answers there. I'll tell you why. The Well, the history of the Honeycrisp is actually pretty interesting. It was developed University of Montana or it was either Montana or it was um, uh, Minnesota, one or the other. And I'm leaning to Minnesota maybe now. But nonetheless, they have a great monster, huge apple orchard up there that had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of different varieties of apples that have been collected from all over the world, all over the United States. And one of the guys, one of the researchers' job is to walk up and down the rows of apple trees during the fall when they're ripe and take a bite of an apple. And so he'd chew it, feel it for a minute in his mouth, and then sort of spit it out because he didn't want to swallow it because he's got hundreds of apples to evaluate. But according to him, he was walking down the row and he picked up an apple and bit into it. And he thought, oh my gosh, this is the best thing I've had in a long time. And that was the Honeycrisp. It was one that was a genetic cross between... Uh, Macomb and another one, they're not sure what it was. But anyway, it had a genetic cross between it and another. It hybridized and made this delicious Honeycrisp apple. And, of course, we can get it from the grocery store anywhere you want to right now. And um, the problem with taking the seeds from the Honeycrisp and sprouting them is because you don't know whether it's going to come, whether those seeds will sprout up a tree that's closer to its unknown parent, which could be some weird thing that just had odd flowers and misshapen fruit, or from the Macomb apple, which is a relatively nice-looking apple, but doesn't have the same taste, really, as the Honeycrisp does. So if he sprouts the seeds of a Honeycrisp apple, yes, he will probably get an apple tree. If he expects those apples to taste just like the Honeycrisp, it might be better. The chances are it probably is going to be worse. So genetically, he's taking a chance. So like, you know... Anybody that any parent who has children, you never know how that child is going to be. Are they going to be a nice little kid who does everything you tell them to do, or are they just going to be hell on wheels? You don't know when they when they're born. Many of you parents can uh, <laughs> can understand this, I think, very well. Genetic diversity is what the world is based on, including plants and trees and parents and everybody else. David is with us from Houston, Georgia. Hey, David. Good morning. Good morning, sir. How are you? Doing great, David. How can I help? I've got uh, seven blueberry bushes that I've had for 10 years or so. But this year, I've got about seven or eight sprouts coming up from the roots. Uh, great. 
when is the best time to take them up and transplant them into a pot where I can decide where I want to put them? You know, today has been sort of a broken record because I love warm weather in January because this is a great time to transplant them. But you have to do something first before you do the transplanting. Okay. How far away from the mother plant are these little sprouts, David? One inch, two maybe inches, two feet? Maybe a foot. Maybe some of them's going to be a foot, maybe a foot and a half. All right. Those are the ones, I'm glad to hear you say that, because those are the ones most likely that came from root sprouts, and they have some root at the base of them. But what I would do is um, take a little shovel and go underneath, and the ground is damp now, so this is easy to do. And you take a shovel and go underneath that sprout, lift it up, and see if there are any roots attached to it. There should be little fine roots about four or five inches long coming off of that sprout. If that is the case, you're golden because all you have to do is take a pruner, clip it off from the mother plant. You've got a little rooted sprout there, a foot maybe tall. Put it in a pot, put it in the ground, do whatever you want to to it. You're, you've got it done. Okay. If uh, there's not any small roots, then that's just a little spray coming yeah. up may root. It may root, it may not. If you want to try something, I'll give you an experiment. You already dug it up. It doesn't have any roots on it, but I'll tell you how to encourage roots. All right. Okay. It's sort of like the fellow that I talked to a minute ago about uh, propagating his grapevine. And in this case, you've sort of got everything in place. All you have to do is take a little dull knife and scrape, 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 scrape the part that is between your sprout and the mother plant. Just scrape it about two inches wide all the way around. Don't let any bridge of green tissue remain when you have scraped it off. But scrape off all the outer bark and all the green tissue just underneath that bark. Bury it back in the ground again. And then lift it up in, let's say, September of this coming year. And many times that scraping will have initiated roots on the little sprout there, and you lift it up and transplant it wherever you want to. Okay. Well, that sounds good. Hopefully I can uh, find some. It's, it's got the little roots yeah, on it. Yeah, the little roots on it. That would be terrific. Then you got some extra special blueberry plants that are just like the, just like the mother plant. Today be a great day, or would you wait till later on in the year? I think today and tomorrow are going to be great days, David. Okay, sir. Well, thank you very, very much, sir. Hey, man, get her done. We'll see you soon, David. Thanks hey, for buddy. calling. Bye, sir. Thank you. You Bye. bet. We'll see you soon. Fourteen minutes past the hour. Whose turn is next? Chasey. Chasey's out in Lula and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Chasey. Good morning. Hey, good morning. How can I help? Well, um, we bought a house about four years ago, and it has a pretty large pecan tree in an, in the yard, mm -hmm. and it never actually bears any pecans, though. Ah. Um, we've tried to fertilize it pretty heavily and okay. then kind of see if that helps at all, and it didn't. I have watched it, and it seems to um, blossom, you know, the little the pollen. Stringy yeah, things little, that string th <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> those stringy thingies. Yeah, worm things. Yeah. Yeah, but it, those seem to come later than the other pecan trees, uh -huh. like in the area and in my neighbor's yard. So I'm wondering if it's, you know, something that's not going to work for our area. No. Is there any way to tell? No. Well, I've got good news for you. If you've got a pecan, it has the potential to have pecan nuts on it from wherever mm -hmm. that pecan originally came. So you you should have pecans on the tree. You've already told me you did something great, which is fertilizing. How many years, how long has it been since you fertilized? Tell me a little bit about that. 
Well, we watched it the first two years, and it. The weird thing is, it it does have the pecans, like the real tiny pecans, uh-huh. but there's not very many of them. Uh-huh. And then they they turn black and they all fall off. Scab. All right. So, but I did fertilize um, last year. I didn't do it this year, um, but I used you know an entire bag of fertilizer because. I knew that it probably needed a lot of fertilizer. <laughs> How big is the trunk? How wide is the trunk when you stand in front of it? Hmm. In diameter, yeah, I would wide. say, I don't know, maybe a, a foot across. Nice. That's a, that's a tree that's getting ready to bear for you. The problem is, it's likely a seedling tree, that meaning that a squirrel planted it 20 years mm-hmm. ago. And seedling trees, because they just don't have the genetic predisposition to resist disease, very, very, very likely your tree has a disease called scab. And Mm -hmm. scab makes little spots on the leaves, mainly it makes lots of spots on the fruit, on the nuts, and it causes them to drop out of the tree early. Ah, what's the use in that? You don't get any pecans to eat when that happens. Mm-hmm. Right. But how in the heck are you going to spray a fungicide up in a big old pecan tree like that and get any kind of control of disease? Right. It's hard. Um, so, honestly, this is a situation where prayer, <laughs> prayer, okay. because you, tr- you pray for a mild, dry spring. And mild, okay. dry springs means the scab disease doesn't spread very much, and so you end up getting some pecans, and any little bit of resistance the tree might have to the scab disease is able to do its work as well. And maybe one year out of two or three, you get a real good crop of pecans, and the other years you get the little nubbins that fall out of the tree and don't get any pecans. But right. nonetheless, you have done a terrific job fertilizing, and that's something you do every year, whether you get pecans or not, because that makes more leaves, and more leaves are what make more pecans. Okay. Yeah, we have plenty of leaves. That's, that's definitely not a problem. Yeah. Can I ask one more question? About oh, I'm blueberry? feeling generous. It has got to be really quick. Jason says we've got to get a heart out in just a minute, but go ahead. Try for it. Okay. So uh, two year, no, yeah, two falls ago, we planted about seven small blueberry plants. And the last two summers have been really, really dry. Um, I've tried to water them with soaker hoses as well, but through various reasons, like my husband running over the soaker hoses with the tractor (laughs) or, you know, lawnmower. But they are super dry. All the leaves fell off last um, summer. And I'm just wondering if there's any hope for them to come back during the spring. You can find out. Go ahead and get a little dull knife and just scrape some of the twigs, some of the branches on it. If they're green underneath your scraping, they'll come back. Okay, and if they're brown or white? Mm, that's not so good. White is good, brown is not good. If mm. they're brown, they're dead, and you can cut them out. Even so, if they've been in the ground for a couple of years, sometimes they'll re-sprout from the crown, from the right at the ground level. So I wouldn't give up hope until late April. If nothing is coming up from the middle of the plant, even in late April, no leaves or anything, they're dead. Pull them out. Okay. All right. Thank you. Let me give you a, a little hint here. If you have a soaker hose, put cinder blocks on either side of it. I guarantee mm-hmm. that will get the attention of your husband when he has more out there, and that will solve that problem right yeah. in the bud. That's a good idea. Cinder blocks. Yeah, tell him, tell him about it before you do it, though. How about that? I will. All right. <laughs> Thanks for calling, Casey. We'll see, Chase, excuse me. We'll see you soon. Okay, thank you. It's 719. We'll be back after this. 
This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellis weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves and the lawn and garden advice you need. And a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. Eh, tomorrow's pretty much like today. Highs in the mid-70s. Today about 72. Tomorrow around 70 degrees. Low tonight around 50. Today it's 49.5 degrees. It'll be around 50 degrees overnight. Partly cloudy both days. Not a whole lot of chance of rain. But boy, is it going to be pleasant to be outside. Get the final bit of leaves raked up if you need to. Plants dug, moved around. Do just about anything you need to do in the garden. And you won't be overheated. It won't be too cold either. 404-872-0750, the number to dial. If you have a question like Jimmy, who's in Hampton and joins us on Lawn and Garden, Hemi, I mean, Hemi, Jimmy, good morning. How you doing? Good morning, Walter. Um, I, uh, I know I should have had all my tulip bulbs out by now, but yeah. my question is, would I be wasting my time if I, if I put any more out? No, sir, you would not. I did an experiment just for you, just for you, Jimmy, last year on behalf of my neighbor, Missy, who had a bag of tulips in her uh, garage that she brought to me sometime around the first week of February, I think it was. <laughs> she said, Wilder, is it, is it too late to plant these tulips? And I said, we're going to make a little garden right here and plant them. And so me and Gabriel, the kid next door, planted those tulips. And we threw away the ones that were sort of real dry and didn't have any any firmness to them at all so there was two or three that were that way but the ones that were firm and felt like a nice onion we put them in the ground jimmy they bloomed in and sometime toward the middle of april i want to say and everybody said how did you have such tulips so pretty to bloom in april and why are they so short <laughs> we, that's just the way it is just the way it is on the reeves garden here so bottom line yes sir go ahead and plant those things in the ground God wants you to put them in there, and they want to bloom. So that's what we do, Jimmy. Thanks for calling, man. 404-872-0750. More Lawn and Garden after news. It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 7.35 on a Saturday morning. 50 degrees outside. Very pleasant. If you've not opened the door to see what's going on, it is very pleasant outside. Not anything you cannot do in your garden today. Pruning, planting, transplanting. Oh, there's all sorts of things to do. Planting those tulip bulbs that are still in the garage. Yes, go ahead and plant them, the ones that are still in the garage. And if you're inside for a minute, you can go to your computer. Go to my website. Go to WalterReeves.com. You'll find all sorts of helpful information for you. It's, uh, first thing on the, on the page is how to prune crepe myrtles, because I thought everybody needs to know about that. Um, the newsletter, you can sign up for our email newsletter. It comes out every two weeks. Let's see, what was in it this past week? I'll tell you. I will tell you what was in there that was interesting. Bamboo control. If you have bamboo, number one, as we say in the South, bless your heart. If you have bamboo, there are few and far between effective ways to control it. And so I have a whole list of strategies and ways to control the bamboo, just a whole 
back and forth this, that, and the other nine yards of bamboo control, one of which includes taking a hammer and just hitting it real hard, doing it regularly to starve the roots for having any, um, any photosynthesis. So there's one article about how to control bamboo in my newsletter, another one about a guy who had um, his tree had lots of roots on top of the ground, I gave him some advice of how to control the uh, roots on the uh, tree that his maple tree was in planted in the front yard. It had roots spattering all over the ground, told him how to do that. And this, this email newsletter is free. I mean, you don't pay for it, great. All you have to do is give me your email address and the zip code so I sort of know what part of town you go from. And then WSV handles the rest, and they send it out every two weeks, and you get all sorts of interesting information. You can follow me on Twitter. Follow the Georgia Gardener on Facebook. You can follow me on Pinterest, where my only Pinterest uh, posts just about are weeds, weeds in their control. Interesting stuff. Uh, well, for some people, it's interesting stuff. <laughs> and so you can see the details there. All this available for free right there, WalterReeves.com. Let's go to the phones. we got people waiting on us right now. Billy is in Atlanta and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Billy, good morning. Good morning. I have a peach tree. I actually live in Lake City, Florida. Yes, sir. And when should, when would be the best time to prune that tree? Told a guy earlier is today. When are you going to get back to Lake City? Next weekend. Next weekend, then. Do it then. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, okay, how high should I let that tree grow? It's about eight. Eight or nine years old now, and it's probably 10 or 12 feet tall. My usual advice is two feet higher than your head, because that's how high you can reach to pick the peaches off of it. So it's not going to matter all that much to a homeowner peach tree about how high or not high it is in a commercial orchard. You've seen those orchards up and down the highway going down towards Florida. And they have all the peach trees that are, that are pruned uh, to a certain height and pruned to a certain way because they're, they've got crews coming in there. And they expect the right height. They expect the right branching and that sort of thing. But for a homeowner yeah. like you and me, Billy, it's not going to matter that much. The only practical thing is take out all the dead wood and make it about as high as you can reach to get the fruit out of it. Okay, got you. I got, would squirrels or birds be getting the uh, – it only produced ripe peaches one year, mm. and, and it blooms good – and the, the peaches show up, but before they get bigger than big marbles, yeah. they slowly start disappearing, and yeah. not not on the ground. So I was wondering if it was squirrels or birds getting my peaches. Squirrels, squirrel, squirrel, squirrel. Squirrels? Well, I got plenty of them. Yeah, that's how you know a peach is about to get ripe, because the squirrels will take it off the tree before you go out and pick it yourself. Uh, yes, yeah, squirrels, and I don't have, there's no repellent for a squirrel from a peach tree, Billy. I'll tell you what I do, which works temporarily, yeah. but it works like a charm. That's to get a little live trap, bait it with a little peanut butter on a cracker in the back, and every time you catch a squirrel, take them two miles away and say, here, little squirrel, taking somebody else's peach tree, not mine. <laughs> and just get as many as you can. Just keep after it. Don't, uh, don't torture them or don't kill them or anything like that. Just take them a few miles away, let them go somewhere else. Okay. All right. Thank you very much. All right, Billy. We'll see you soon. We got who's in line next? Dan. Dan's in Murphy, Murphy, North Carolina, I'm guessing here. Hey, Dan. Good morning. Good morning. I have a question about rhododendron. Yes, sir. Uh, what time of year do you cut those back? Usually right after they finish blooming. So they're going to bloom, most of them are going to get finished blooming by the latter part of April, maybe the early first week of May. So just wait till they finish bloom and prune them then. Okay. What about... um? The uh, blooming cherry tree, I've got it's about five feet high where it starts to branch out. Yeah. I had bagworm problems. I tried to remove the branches with the bagworms on them. I tried 
uh, seven dust, tried spraying it with malathion. Seems like just physically removing the bagworm nest is the only way to go. Yeah. Um, but to train the tree to uh, have a downward uh, curve on the branches, how do you do that? So you want it to weep a little bit, right? Yeah. Every one I've seen has just got like an extreme right angle at the at the branches. Those are horizontally, and then they you know then they're trained downward. And mine yeah. was uh, just a regular tree. It was going in all directions when I first yeah. got it. Yeah. The ones that are weeping, most of them that you see have been grafted. And so what happens is they took a tree with a straight trunk that went up about four feet, they cut it off at that point, and they grafted into it a species of cherry that is very uh, limber and loose. And when they grafted four or five of those to the top of the original trunk, then all of them came out. They went down, took a right angle, right angle turn, as you say. And so they make nice, pretty peach trees or cherry trees, no doubt about that. Yeah. But it's all a grafted okay. situation. So it's okay to cut the ones that are headed straight up and just cut them back. If you want to, it's fine with me. It's not going to hurt the cherry tree particularly. Okay, in the wintertime, do that? Yeah, yeah. There's one, I, I want to mention this, there's one species of cherry that is a naturally weeping cherry that you can purchase in some places. It gets about 30, minus 30 feet easily, 30 feet tall, and weeps down like a weeping willow, is I guess the best way to describe it. It's very pretty, very nice looking cherry tree. Um, it's from it that the weeping branches are taken and put on the shorter trunks to make the more manageable size okay. of weeping cherry. All right, I thank you very much. All right, that's it then, Dan. Thanks for calling. Okay, bye-bye. Get out of here. Bruce Holiday wants to join up today this morning. What is on Bruce Holiday's mind? Well, you know, I have a little reminder on my calendar, and I just want to call and say happy anniversary for 22 years of you being on the radio. Holiday, you know, I had forgotten that that was the case. <laughs> Ashley Frasca, uh, why didn't you not remind me? Why do I rely on my friend Bruce Holiday to tell me? I forgot too, but I do remember the nice little shindig we had for you for year 20, and That's Bruce right. was there. Yeah. And Bruce was yeah, there. That, that was a lot of fun. It was raining that day, but, uh, you know, still it was a nice celebration, and you know, that's why we have smartphones, because we're smarter than we are. <laughs> smarter than a radio host sometimes. <laughs> Remember you know, that. You, uh, you break it up, Bruce. Move to the top of the hill there. Let's see if we can hear you a little bit better. I'm, I'm uh, maybe a little bit far from the phone, but, yeah. uh, you know, for the most part, I'm in good, good cell zone. Yeah, I hear you now. Great. So, but, yeah. Uh, yeah, the little article in the magazine was great about you, and... I have uh, got to no. see that. It's in Georgia Gardening Magazine. Those of you who are interested in what Bruce is talking about, Georgia Gardening Magazine has a profile of me written by my good friend Shannon Pable. And uh, I am looking forward to getting a copy of it. I've seen the you know, it's a sort of picture of the picture of the page and still haven't been able to read it. But uh, there I am in all my all my goofy glory standing out my well, backyard. I mean, it, it's, a, it's a great picture of it because, uh, you know, it makes you look about 10 years younger. Oh, thank you. Oh, yes, thing. that's a good picture. We'll keep that one. <laughs> i got to keep that one, absolutely. Because well, I've been here for 12... Tw- celebrate, have you a little, you know, peach... Uh, preserves or something i don't I know but do uh, have you a little a good little day today so what holiday is it today Bruce? my 22nd is that right 22nd is what good i have in my calendar because we two years ago we had, right. a had a 20-year celebration right i'll be done so we'll have to do something special ashley for the 25th coming up in a the few 25th years. ashley frasca put it on your smartphone the party planning committee is already planning <laughs> <The party> it. Planning. <laughs> <laughs> Bruce well, I just want to tell you personally, yes, sir. I appreciate your show. Uh, I, I tell all my design customers, 
when they ask questions about certain things, I said, Walter is the resource. Mm. I love I love myself to go in, and I've been doing, I've been a landscape architect for 40 years, and I still check your website to answer questions that I have. So I appreciate all your diligence and, and all the hard work you put into creating that website. Bruce, it is great to hear from you. Thank you for doing that. Even the radio host for 22 years look at his own website and say, what did I say about that? What? Am I well, you guys have a great things? day, and I hope to talk to you or see you soon. All right, Bruce. Thanks for calling, man. See you. Thanks, we'll buddy. see you. Bye. Bruce Holiday is my friend for a long time and is a registered landscape architect here in Atlanta, does great work in his landscape design work. And uh, you can reach him, I think, on bruceholiday.com. Gene, do we have time? Yes, we have time for Gene in here. Gene is in Stone Mountain and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Good Gene. Morning. Good morning, Mr. Walter. Good morning, Mr. Gene. How can I help? Okay, I have a a tree, yeah. a, a tree, a peach tree plant. I planted that since about three years ago. Yeah. Every year, he bloomed very nice and a lot of peaches. But I start they going, start growing. Yeah. They have black. Yeah. Them and after that, everything comes bad. The mold never have a chance to have a yes, a fruit from that tree. A very, very common situation. And I tell you, Gene, the way to start preventing it is to start when the tree is blooming. I said that to a guy earlier about his apples, and I'm saying the same about peach trees. If you do not spray a peach when it is blooming with some fungicide to keep brown rot from developing. It develops in the bloom and then gets into the fruit, and then by May and June, the fruit is all brown and rotten and falls out of the tree. But you have to prevent it. You can't do, you can't have reliable peaches from a tree without spraying. It's just, just the way it is. There's lots of critters and diseases that love peaches just like you and I do, and they will attack it. And I'm not even including squirrels here, but the uh, the sprays that you put on it are specific ones that I, I don't have time to go through every one of them. But, Gene, I'll tell you, if you go to my website, just type in peach spray, spraying peaches, something like that in my search line. It has a whole list of what you should do when using a fungicide when it blooms, using insecticides to control the insects that put holes and stink bugs and things in the in the fruit. And that is how you have good peaches. I wish there were an organic way of doing it and you can... Grow a peach a couple of years and have peaches without spraying, and then the disease sets in, and then you've wasted two or three years trying to get good peaches more than that. Okay, thank you very okay, much. Okay, spray it. Go to WalterReeves.com, peach spray. If there were okay. an organic way, I would say, I would tell you there's an organic way. Sadly, there is not. That is the truth. It is 747. We'll be back after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves, the lawn and garden advice you need. And a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. What you see is pretty much what you're going to get for the next couple of days. Temperature right now around 50 degrees. Tomorrow it's going to be the same thing. Low night, low tonight, 50 degrees. The high today, 72. The high tomorrow, around 70. It's going to be very pleasant. Plenty of time to do any kind of gardening you need to do outside and not get too hot, not get too cold. It'll be just right. Beth called on the contest line a minute ago. We can't put Beth onto the uh, over the airlines here, but she had a great question and I just found the answer to it just uh, a couple of days ago. 
from my friend Sarah Henderson, who's the horticulture director at Oakland Cemetery. And she and I are talking about beautifying the plots that I have at Oakland Cemetery here in Atlanta. And I said, Sarah, what is the story on the Southeastern Flower Show? What are we going to do about that? And she said, well, it's probably not going to come back like it was 10 or 15 years ago, where you rented the World Congress Center, the Cobb Gallery, and you had this great big show. But it's her understanding that the Atlanta Botanical Garden is going to bring it back in some form, maybe this coming year, maybe not, she wasn't sure, but they would have artistic division where you have the flower arranging and all the different categories of flower arranging, which would be very, very nice and beautiful to see. She understood there might be a couple of display gardens, like we used to have 10 or 15 big, huge display gardens there at the flower show, but she says there might be one or two. But it's Sarah's understanding, and again, this is not the truth. This is not the truth. This is just Sarah and me talking. But again, her understanding was that it would all be held at the Atlanta Botanical Garden, which is where you should go to get the real details. So if you want to know more about the Southeastern Flower Show, if it is indeed planned for this coming year, then call the Atlanta Botanical Garden or go to their website and send them an email and ask them what's going to happen about that. All right, let's see if we don't have time for one real, real, real quick one here. Jeff, let's get Jeff in here. Hey, Jeff, good morning. Welcome to Lawn and Garden. And so, uh, what's the what's the right time to trim uh, the burning bush? Burning bush, the bush I love to hate. <laughs> it's not that I hate it, Jeff. It's just that it's so remarkably beautiful for about two weeks every year, yeah. and the yeah. rest of the year it just sort of sits there like a green lump. <laughs> uh, but the time to prune it is in the wintertime because what you want is new growth, sort of like the old red tip fotini. You prune it in the wintertime, it has new growth, but that new growth doesn't change color until the fall. Um, but if you need to print it for some reason or other, now would be a fine time to do it. Okay. Thank you very much. Nothing to it. Thanks for calling, Jeff. Bye-bye. Boy, that was Red Tip Fotinia's downfall. That was what happened to Red Tip Fotinia, the shrub that was planted by the millions in the southeast back 40-some years ago, I guess now. And the reason that it failed was because when you pruned it back in the wintertime to get that nice red leaves on it during the spring, those leaves were so remarkably susceptible to disease, to red tip leaf spot. And red tip leaf spot, once you got it on one shrub, it went to yours, the neighbors, the whole you know, country, the countryside. It was in everybody's fotini. It was hard to control. After a while, the nurseries just got tired of being complained about their fotinias, and so they stopped selling them. That's why you don't see any fotinias anymore, but boy, they used to be out here everywhere. Millions and millions all over the southeast. Fortunately, not the same for the for the burning bush. It's just red for those two weeks in the fall. Then the rest of the time, nothing much going on. It's 758. Our number is 404 872 We'll be back right after news.